Well, I'm Damon. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're in this uh, series, Kingdom, and we've been talking about kingdom issues, which I believe are life issues for Christians. You know, Jesus talked a lot about God's kingdom, and I often think when we think about kingdom, we think about heaven, but, and, and that's true, but God's kingdom, it's not only coming, God's kingdom is here, and it's now. It's not just some distant future. You know, thy kingdom come, thy, thy will be done, God's will done on this earth. You know, Jesus Christ is the king of kings. He's the Lord of lords. And the fact is, he came to usher in a new kingdom on this earth. And as Christ's followers, when, when Jesus becomes your king, I believe it changes everything in your life. I mean, Jesus was always pointing to a new kingdom, a new economy, a new way of thinking, new values, a new focus. The fact is, it's a new citizenship, and it's a new way of living. You know, several years ago, uh, I w was watching a peewee soccer game, and I'll, I'll be honest, it was, it was just kind of funny to, to watch the kids as they were playing, because many of them were more enthralled with some new uniforms they got than, than actually playing the game. And during, during the game, kids are sitting down, they're running off the field. And I was watching at one point, all the kids are like huddled up and the ball's in the middle and they're just huddled up talking to one another. And this one kid's running down the field on the other side and he's kind of admiring his uniform and watching it blow in the wind. And, and you know, the coach... Uh, calls a timeout, and most of the kids run to their parents at that point, and, uh, or they're running to the bathroom. And I thought, you know, it's athletics at that very entry level, isn't it? A couple days later, I found myself attending an NFL game. I was watching the Pittsburgh Steelers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and uh, it was out in Kansas City. And, uh, and I thought, what a contrast to watching that peewee football game. You know, I, I can't imagine, as I was watching some of the best athletes on the planet, I, I can't imagine these guys getting so enthralled in their uniforms that they forget the plays or that they would run to their parents on a timeout, and, which would have been cool because I was sitting next to Jerome Bettis' mom and dad and brother, so, you know. But it was professional football. And I thought, what a, what a contrast, what a contrast. You know, Jesus told a story one day, and it was all about contrast. You know, it was a contrast between joy and jealousy, between forgiveness and bitterness, between contentment and discontentment and resentment. And today what I want to look at is some things I think we all struggle with in our lives. Some things that weigh you down. And in fact, they're things that steal from you. They, they kill. They, they destroy. And they are kingdom issues. And so today I want to focus on a thing called resentment. You know, we're going to look at a story. And we looked at this not long ago when we were in our series Fashion Statement. We, we talked about the prodigal son, and primarily I focused on the younger son. 
And today what I want to do, I want to flip the script for us a little bit. The, the story is found in Luke 15, and I believe it has something we can all identify with. And just a quick breakdown on, on the story. The, you basically got four characters in the story. You've got the father, you've got the two sons, and then you've got a, a, a citizen in a foreign country that's affiliated with the, with the younger son. And then there, in that story, there's also someone that's never mentioned, but he's there, and that's the evil one. I mean, you don't see him, but the fact is, I believe the evil one does its best work in anonymity. You know, the younger, the younger son goes to his father, and he says, hey, dad, give me my inheritance. I'd like it now. And the fact is, he uh, breaks protocol. It was offensive, probably. But he asks his dad for his inheritance while dad's still alive. I believe not only did he break protocol, but I think he broke his father's heart that day. And for reasons that are really hard to understand, this father honors the request. And he gives this younger son his inheritance. The young man grabs the cash and he takes off. The Bible says that he went to a distant country and he squanders the money. He squanders it on extravagant living until he's broke. And long story short, he finally, in the midst of this, comes to his senses and he returns home. I believe his father probably every day was watching for his son, hoping he'd come home. And when he did, this father, we're told, runs out and welcomes him. And the story is really about forgiveness and grace and compassion. But Jesus flips the script in this story. All of a sudden, he, he shifts the spotlight from the younger son and his father to the older son. And I, every time I, I teach on this, I, I realize most people just focus on, on the younger son. They, they don't focus on the older son. And most of us identify with the younger son, don't we? I mean, the prodigal son. But the fact is, and this is just my theological opinion, the older son is the true prodigal in this story. And so that's where I want to pick up, and I want to look at some of the contrasts here. You've got this contrast between joy and, and jealousy. You ever been there? I mean, the father, he, he throws a party for the younger son. It, it's, it's a big celebration. The, the younger son, he, he ends up giving him his best robe. He gives him a family ring. And it's a statement, kind of like a coat of arms. He's, he's saying, you know what? I'm reinstating you into our family. You wear this. You're part of the family. And so when you read the story, you think, All's good, right? Well, you might think again on this one. See, there, there's this contrast. You, you got a party going on. You got a celebration going on in the house. But we've also got the older son, and he's jealous. I mean, this older son is jealous, and, and he's struggling with what's going on. You know, Scripture says this. It says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, 
he heard the music and the dancing. And so he called one of the servants and asked him, what's going on? What, what's the deal? What, why is everybody partying? And when he found out, we're told that he was jealous. In fact, the Bible says he became angry about it. See, jealousy, have you figured this out? Always leads to anger. We do not like to feel inferior. We do not like to feel jealous in our lives. In fact, these, these emotions, they make us feel powerless, don't they? And so what happens is people kind of leapfrog those and they grab onto another emotion, and that's anger, because that one's easier to understand. You know, it's an attempt, like, to get the upper hand on something, so we, so we think. But many times, when you're angry at someone, the fact is you're really jealous of someone. I mean, we do, we do the same thing the older son did, don't we? You know, we get near the situation. Don't go in the house, but we get near it. We get in the vicinity of things. And I wonder today, are any of you near a house? Are any of you kind of near someone that you're jealous of? You know, you, you don't want to go in and talk to them. You don't want to try and figure out. You're not interested in hearing the situation or hearing their point of view or how things are going. Instead, what you do, you stay in the shadows, don't you? You take pot shots when you get an opportunity. You get near the house where you can kind of hear things. Be critical. Anybody guilty of that? I'll give you some advice. Took me a while to figure this out, but this is, you got any critical people in your life? Got anybody jealous, angry? Anytime someone comes up to me, you know, or comes up to you, and they go, hey, Joe, I need to come to you with this because a lot of people, a lot of people have been telling me this, and, and I need to share this with you. What you need to know is most of the time, they're a billboard for being critical. Their, their intent is to kind of take a shot at you, to kind of rip you apart a little bit. In fact, my experience has been when I'm talking to these type of people that are always going, oh, so-and-so and so-and-so, is when I try and get to the bottom of it, I never have met these people that supposedly are talking bad. The fact is, they, they share, won't share the info. They never point out who these people are. Why? Why is that? Well, because usually they don't exist. Usually the person delivering the message is the one with the issues. They're, they're usually the problem, to be quite blunt. So, so the older son, he's near the house. He hears the music. He, he sees there's a celebration going on. And the Bible says that he calls one of the servants. He says, what's going on? And when he found out why there's a party, he's just angry. I mean, he's mad. 
And I, every time I read this, I think, why didn't he go talk to his dad? Wait, why didn't he go talk to his brother? And I will tell you why. Because the claws of jealousy, they've got him. They own him. In fact, it ends up in that word jealousy. You got a word, don't you? Lousy. When you're jealous, I will tell you it leads to a lousy life. You know, the older son, he's jealous. Why? Because, because his father, his father's received his brother back. He, he's jealous because there's a party going on. He's jealous because his brother got a new wardrobe. He got a nice ring. You know, his brother's been reinstated. I mean, he's jealous because his brother's back in the family. You know, Jewish law, if you know it, dictated that the oldest son had two-thirds of the ownership of whatever his father had. It was, it was going to be his. Nothing, nothing that could change that. But jealousy did a lousy thing in this older son's life. And I will tell you, jealousy will do a lousy thing in your life and mine. Because why? It's destructive. It's destructive. I mean, we, we've got this contrast going on. And it's a contrast between resentment and contentment. You know, jealousy breeds discontentment. We live in a culture that's discontent. True? It's terrible how discontented we are. The, the older son could not appreciate his situation. He couldn't appreciate the, the blessings that were his, that, that he was going to receive. He, he's so fixed on what his brother is receiving that resentment just perpetuates his discontentment. I think maybe I've shared this before. I, years ago, I had a uh, temp that was filling in as a receptionist at the church I was at, and uh, she was introducing herself to, to the staff, and she began telling us about her family, and, and long short, we, we learned that her husband was a breeder, traveled all around the, the world, and uh, he, she began to tell us about the breeding process, and to be honest, it was far more detailed than most of us wanted. But the next day, she, she brought in this great big binder. It was a breeder's binder, and it was full of horses' pictures. And so everybody, she's telling us about it. So I'm, I'm trying to be funny. Imagine that. <laughs> trying. <laughs> and I go, what do, what do people do? They, they like flip through this folder and go, oh, he's so cute. Look at the smile on that one. You know, check out the pecs. Oh, great eyes on this one, you know. And she goes, well... That is what happens. <laughs> she goes, now, they look at things like muscle and, and strength and, you know, color and, and health and those type of things. But, friends, I'm here to tell you jealousy is in the breeding business. And jealousy will ultimately lead you to the pick of the litter, and that's resentment and discontentment in your life. I mean, my, my mind rushes to the story that Jesus told. Uh, Pastor David talked about it a few weeks ago. 
You know, it's the parable of Matthew 20. It's the parable of, and the story of the owner that, that hires all, all the workers. You remember he said the first worker got hired at 6 a.m. and then one at 9 and then at noon and then some more at 3 and then the last hire was just about quitting time but at 5 and he promised that fair wage and at the end of the day he returns to pay all the workers and he does something real countercultural. The fact is he, he takes and he pays the one that started last first. And then the one that was hired first, he pays last, and he pays them all the same wage. The people that have worked all day, they go ballistic, right? They begin to murmur, begin to gossip. In fact, they were just angry. Angry always leads to jealousy. Jealousy is kind of the offspring the landowner, he asked the one that was hired first, he goes, why, why are you jealous? I mean, he, I think he really wanted to know. You know, why, why are you envious of, of my generosity? And when you think about it, it's a tough question, isn't it? You know, when, when somebody's blessed, when, when somebody does something well, has an ability that you wish you had or has a talent. You know, why can't we just thank God for that? Well, the reason is we're so concerned with what other people have, we forget what we have, don't we? I mean, God's generous. God pours out his blessings. I cannot explain why God pours them out on some people and other people he doesn't. I, I, I don't know. I, I wish there was a mathematical problem that I could point to and go, this is how it works. But the fact is, it just happens sometimes. And I want you to hear this. Happiness is not the result of getting what you want. It's the result of enjoying what you have in life. I mean, you filled with discontentment today? Jealousy will breed resentment ultimately in your life. Fact is, we got a whole society that's resentful and discontented. See, jealousy silences the applause. The, the older son should have been celebrating. He should have been applauding. He should have been applauding the return of his brother. He should have applauded the, the grace of his father, but he wasn't. The fact is, he, jealousy was deafening everything around him. It, it silenced the applause. He wasn't able to do that. You know, I remember when my uh, younger daughter, she was graduating from high school, and the gym, gym was packed, and the superintendent had welcomed everyone, and then launched into a pretty long speech, and, and I understood what he was trying to accomplish, okay? I got it. But it was the way the message was delivered that really just kind of complicated everything. You know, basically, and, and he went on for quite a while on this, but he basically said, when the graduates begin walking across the stage, do not applaud, this is a special time. And, but he didn't leave it there. 
He goes, it will not be tolerated. I mean it. Do you understand? This will not happen. And on and on and on and on he went. Now, I want you to guess what happened when the first graduate went across the stage. There was a little applause. And the superintendent, he, he just turned and he's like, no, shh. Oh, that'll work, right? <laughs> Second graduate, a little applause. This time he stood up and he's like, no, shh. The third, people are yelling, go Kelly, woohoo, yeah, way to go. He stopped the proceedings. He took over the mic and proceeded for uh, quite a while to tell us the evils of applauding. <laughs> I mean, it, it, got, it was pretty bad. Uh, it was, it was hard, hard to sit there. The next person that they introduced, I thought I was at the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, it was off the chain. We even, it, there were a few people up in the sand. They tried to get the wave going at one point he stepped up to the mic again and every time he tried to talk the place just the the applause increased people were standing up they were apply I mean and, and finally in exasperation he just sat down defeated and, and, the, and the problem was it just it looked really bad it just looked bad but here's the deal here's what I want you to hear are you trying to silence the applause, the things you should be celebrating. I mean, what's your first reaction when the person that works next to you, who doesn't maybe work as hard as you, or it hasn't been there as long as you, but they're, but they're sitting next to you and they get the promotion. You know, they get the corner office. What do you do, do you applaud? Or do you let jealousy take over? Do you say, no, shh, shh. What are you doing? I mean, what do you do in that moment when, when maybe a college friend takes you on a tour of their, their new customized home, wants to take you for a ride in their new, new wheels? Are, are you happy for them? Really? Or do you let jealousy take over? Shh, no. See, jealousy, envy, discontentment, resentment. Christians, I want you to hear this. If you cannot applaud the successes of other people, you can't truly worship God. Because you're so focused on what other people have, you can't praise God for what you have. You're being cheated. Jealousy. It is destructive. It will destroy your soul. You know, there's an account in the Old Testament 
David, David and Saul. Saul, Saul was the king at the time. David had just defeated Goliath. And so the nation of Israel, they threw a ticker tape parade for David. And scripture says, so from that time on, Saul kept a jealous eye on David. I always find it interesting. Saul was not jealous of David because he was a great poet. He wasn't jealous of David because David was an expert with a slingshot or that he knew a lot about nature or anything like that. Saul's jealous of David because you know why? David fought the battle that Saul should have fought. He didn't do what God had called him to do. And that's how it is with us, right? You're not jealous of the people that you look at and you go, oh, they're kind of above me or, or below me. We're jealous of the people next to us, aren't we? Next to us in the office, next to us at school, live next door to. You know, I've said this before, doctors, doctors aren't, aren't jealous of lawyers. You know, the teachers aren't, aren't jealous of, of Hollywood stars. Who are they jealous of? They're t- jealous of other teachers. You know, pastors, are, we're not jealous of stockbrokers. No, we're jealous of other pastors. Jealousy will lead you to a lousy place in life. Jealousy will breed discontentment in your life, resentment in your life. And jealousy will keep you from applauding and celebrating the things you ought to be celebrating. I mean, every, every time you refrain from, from applauding something, it's like a slap in God's face. I wanted that. I should have had that. God's just not generous with me. You see, see the contrast here? I mean, it's this contrast between joy and jealousy. There's joy in the house. The older son, he stays outside the house. And he's not joyful. You know, he's not celebrating. And it results ultimately in a discontentment in him. And a resentment in him. There's one more thing. There's this contrast between forgiveness and bitterness. You know, the father, the father is forgiving. The older son, he, he's jealous. He's angry. He's bitter. Scripture says, says this. says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. In other words, it, it, it's interesting to me. He couldn't face his father. Couldn't face his brother. And so... What's dad do? What's the father do? Well, the very same thing he did with the younger son, he runs to him. It says, so his father went out and pleaded with him. The dad's reaching out. He's reaching out in love, concern. You can almost hear the conversation. You know, son, please come in. Please. Come celebrate. I mean, be happy, your brother's home. We've, we thought he was dead. He's alive. 
He, he was lost. Now he's found. And I think only if the older son could have got a perspective in that moment. I mean, the freedom that would have happened in his life, the, the excitement to be a part of that, he, what he could have experienced. But instead, we're told he stays near the house. He's hearing stuff, imagining things, and it just kept fueling the jealousy, the discontentment, the bitterness, and it, and it ends up taking him on a ride. You know, modern vernacular, I, I think the, this old, old, older son is kind of tripping, so to speak, and they're Two kinds of trips he goes on. I mean, and it's trips you take when you're jealous, when, you, when bitterness takes over in your life. I mean, for, first, there, there's the ego trip. Anybody been on an ego trip? I mean, this, this older son couldn't stand it. The fact is, we become very self-righteous and struck on ourselves when we let our ego in, don't we? We begin to tell people how good we are, why we deserve what we didn't get, why we deserve what they got. I mean, look what he says. He says, but he answered his father, look at all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Talk about an exaggeration. Any parents in the house? <laughs> I read that and I go, really? Really? <laughs> yeah, you never gave me a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. And I think, give me a break here. I'm guessing that this young man just had totally become untethered from reality. You know, he, he already owns two-thirds with his father. I believe if he had asked his father, I don't know this for sure, but I think if he would have went to his father and said, hey, Dad, you know, could I have a party? I think his dad would have let him have a party. But instead, he goes on this ego trip, and after the ego trip, he takes another trip, you know, for clear, for takeoff, and he goes on a guilt trip, okay? And this is different than what you're thinking. I mean, this guilt trip is destructive. It deals in destruction. And when you read the reviews on this trip, it is all about reviewing the sins of the person you're jealous of. I mean, that's how we operate, don't we? We're, we're good at this. It says, but when this son of yours, I love that. He, he won't even call him his brother. This son of yours who squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Prostitutes. Huh. Where'd that come from? Nowhere in the Bible does it say that he went to prostitutes. I mean, he may have. We, we don't know. But I believe 
what's going on is the, the older son's beginning to exaggerate. He's beginning to imagine. He, the fact is he wants to deal in deceit, and he wants to discredit and tear down his brother. I mean, it's what we do, isn't it? You know, we got an agenda. We want to tear someone down, and so we begin to fabricate and exaggerate. Because we believe if we can tear someone down, what happens? We build ourselves up. Well, I would tell you that's usually a sign of poor self-esteem. I mean, when you try and make yourself look better at someone else's expense, well, watch out. It's a trip, and it will trip you up. And the destination... It will lead you to bitterness in your life. In fact, it actually leads you away from forgiveness in your life. I mean, Jesus said, but if, but if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive you. Hmm. Because the older son, he's harboring, he's nursing the jealousy the resentment, the bitterness. I mean, he couldn't forgive, couldn't let it go. And friends, when, when you do that, when you live that way, your heavenly Father can't forgive you. I mean, those are strong words, aren't they, for you and me? Anybody on an ego trip these days? A guilt trip? Anybody dealing with, with jealousy in your life, resentment, bitterness? Anybody struggling with that stuff? I want you to think about that person who you struggle with. Yes, that one, the one you just thought about. The one, the one that you'd really like to tear apart. The one that you're fighting those feelings of jealousy, you know, bitterness. Why do they get that? You know, it could be an ex, could be a competitor, colleague, boss, neighbor, classmate, teammate, sibling. You got to deal with that stuff. You know, look at the the father. You know, after after he's heard all this ego stuff from his son and. He's heard about all the accusations of guilt. And you would think he'd, he'd just unload on his son, you know, body slam him. But he doesn't. Instead, he shows the same thing he's always shown. He shows grace. He shows mercy to his son. And when you read that story, the, the father represents God in our life. The, the people that were listening to Jesus' story, there, there were sinners and there were Pharisees there. The oldest son represented the Pharisees. The Pharisees don't get it. They hear the story, but they, they just miss it totally. Jesus was saying, God, our Father, is all about forgiving people and forgiving sinners. He says, my son, the Father said, 
you're always with me. And everything I have is yours. That's quite a statement right there. But we had to celebrate, and in the Greek, that it is that idea of urgency to celebrate, necessity to celebrate. So he says, we had to celebrate and be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. The, the older son could have experienced joy in his life, but he, but he didn't. And I find it very fascinating because Jesus never finishes the story. He never tells us what happens to the older son. In fact, scholars have debated it for centuries. They speculate about what, what happened. And here's the other thing I find interesting. Almost everybody that hears the story sees themselves as the younger son. True? Returning home. Coming back to God. But here's what I want to kind of push you today a little bit. Christ followers. Are you like the older son? Ooh, that's uncomfortable, isn't it? Does bitterness have a hold in your life? I mean, is jealousy jamming you up and cheating you? I mean, is resentment stealing your future? Because that's what it'll do. You know, throughout my ministry, I have watched people, people of faith, people that love God, who prefer to nurse jealousy. They prefer bitterness in their life rather than offer love and forgiveness and to celebrate others. I mean, I've seen people systematically just cut themselves off from friends, from from family members, even the church. Why? Well, because they always got to take pot shot at people. They always got to tell everyone what's wrong with everybody else. And never talk about what they struggle with. Always the other person's fault. Poor me. That's not fair. I deserve that. And friends, I will tell you, you get on that track and jealousy and bitterness becomes discontentment, becomes resentment, and at some point it just steals your future and destroys. And I will tell you, it doesn't have to be that way. You you just got to let go of the anger. You got to let go of the resentment. You got to let go of the jealousy. You got to let go of the discontentment and the bitterness And here's a scripture. I've always carried this in my heart. I challenge you to carry it in your heart. Jeremiah, God's God's speaking, for for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. When I remember that, it changes everything. I can celebrate what you got. Why? Because I know what God's got for me. 
you know, you can stop resenting what, what happened. You can stop resenting what didn't happen in your life. You can stop resenting the, the person that hurt you or resenting God for allowing it or not allowing it in, in your life. Whatever it is that's eating at you, I will tell you it will destroy you. But I'll also tell you your life's not over. The end of your story hasn't been written. But you have a choice to make. And it's a choice between whether you want to live jealous in your life or you want to live with a lot of joy. You know, do you want to live resentful or thankful? Content. Do you want to live bitter? Or can you shift gears and go, you know what, I'm going to be forgiving and let stuff go? It's a kingdom issue. God's ushering in a new kingdom. And it's way different than our culture. It's a kingdom about grace and love and finding those things we can celebrate and being who God calls us to be. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Our holy God, God, I pray that um, those of us that call ourselves by your name, Jesus, Lord, we would follow your ways. That we'd be leaders in our families, in our community, in the office. God, that we would point others toward grace. We'd be people of celebration. That we'd breathe joy into other people's lives. God, I pray that we'd lay down the jealousy. Whatever form it takes in our life, Lord. That we'd learn to be thankful for what we do have. That we'd focus on how you have blessed instead of how you haven't. God, that I pray you'd give some people some peace today. God, help us not to be bitter, but to be people of grace, be forgiving. Not only because that's what you call us to, but it's the only way to live. God, I pray your spirit would breathe into us, that we'd be your people, that we'd expand your kingdom in our neighborhoods, in our offices, in our schools, in our neighborhoods. Lord, I pray that uh, we'd be a light in our community. God, I pray we would... be who you've called us to be and created us to be. God, we give you the glory and praise with all we say and do. And God's people said,